Hi, I'm Rachel Handler, and welcome to Lady Problems, where every Thursday, me and a rotating crew of ladies look at the way that pop culture is treating women in a given week, and it is almost always terribly. This week, Teo Bugby and I are interviewing Phoebe Robinson, who is one of the funniest women alive. I found Phoebe via her scandal recaps on Vulture. I was just telling Thank her you. that she is my favorite scandal recapper of all time. <laughs> I don't know why. They're, they're just so amazing. Um, I recommend reading them even if you don't watch Scandal. Uh, she's also a stand-up comedian and a writer, and she hosts two podcasts, Two Dope Queens with Jessica Williams and So Many White Guys mm-hmm. with herself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this week, she's putting out her first book, which is called You Can't Touch My Hair and Other Things I Still Have to Explain. It's hilarious and sharp, and it's a look at race and sex and yes. feminism and pop culture and an undying lust for all manner of Michaels. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> basically, Teo and I just really wanted to talk to you, Phoebe. So thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. So happy to be here. Everything we just listed, like, you have so much going on right now that it stresses me out just, like, mm-hmm. saying it for you. How are you alive? Um, yeah, <laughs> I I try and eat somewhat healthy. Like, I had a salad for lunch, so that was nice. Uh, sleeping has been good-ish. I don't know how, I, I don't know how I'm alive. I, I don't drink coffee, which is very amazing that I don't, because I'm always go, 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 go. I just kind of just go until I get pooped, and then I just crash what's like a standard day for you right now with all this stuff you have going on yeah i think with because my book is coming out this week like this week is a lot of press stuff so it's a lot of running around but normally it's you know meetings podcasting stuff stand-up stuff writing so it's always a mix like no day is kind of the same that's exciting um so that's good um but yeah this week is kind of i think the worst in terms of <laughs> just press is this is great to like do this but it's also like it's just like a lot of it in like such a short amount of time that it's like whoa, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it ever hard for you to like be on all the time? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely moments where I'm like, I just need to recharge my batteries. But it's all you know. At the at the same time, it's kind of like you know, this is a good life. I could be you know a coal miner or something that's really <laughs> you know what I mean. That's really like totally. life threatening and dang- and dangerous. And it's like if I just have to talk about things that I'm working on. It's like a good day. But that's like know? all of our plan B. Yeah. Be <laughs> um, okay, so let's, I really want to talk about your scandal recaps quickly. Mm-hmm. Why are we still watching the show, Phoebe? You know, I mean, <laughs> I think we all fell in love with the show. Like the first couple of seasons were really, they stayed kind of true to what the show was. I think they've deviated away from that. <laughs> but I do feel like the acting is really good. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good mix of campiness and also a little more down-to-earth stuff. And Carrie K- Washington is so great on the show. You know what I mean? It's, it's She can hard. do anything. Yeah, it's hard to be like... I think all TV shows have that moment where it's like, you know, okay, maybe we could stop. <laughs> <laughs> but the acting is so good. Or the, you really like the, the characters on the show that you're like, all right, I'll, I'll stick with it. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give Scandal a little more of my time. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think I dipped on Scandal when there was that episode where they pulled... Quinn's teeth out and I was like I, this, oh, is, this yeah. is my moment oh, that I was crazy that. Yeah. yeah that was crazy <laughs> but it's also like not the craziest thing yeah. in the show like, <laughs> so I'm like oh yeah that was weird but yeah yeah and that yeah. was like a while ago yeah that was like, like two seasons some back some shit has yeah. gone down since then yeah I'm sure <laughs> Olivia Pope is now a murderess yeah well yeah 
That's like great. full on. I yeah. like the idea of Kerry Washington just becoming like this generation Susan Lucci. Like I would oh. be down for just like the reign, the twenty year reign of Kerry Washington. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah, I'd be into that. <laughs> yeah. Twenty years of scandal. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. She and Fitz in a nursing home. I'm yeah. Into it. <laughs> So your book is like about a lot of things, but it's you know primarily about being black and a woman in an industry that sort of shuns both of those things mm-hmm. traditionally. You know what made you want to write this now? Sort of how did you get into writing the book? Mm-hmm. Like how did you get? We were talking about how we like are always really fascinated by people get how people get their book deals. Like yeah. how did all of this happen for you? Um, so I met my lit agent. I want to say November two thousand fourteen. And uh, I was on some list. They always have lists about comics in New York that are funny or just like whatever. And um, Robert emailed me. He said, hey, I'm sure you're probably working on a book right now. But if you're not, I would love to meet up and chat. So I said, oh, great. Like, this is what I've been waiting for. Because at that point, I had this blog uh, called Blaria Black Daria. And I was doing like a lot of writing and podcasting on that. Mm -hmm. And so I sold it to January 2015 I just like started writing it and I mean you know you never really can control when a book is going to come out but I think it is kind of cool that it's coming out now just with all the stuff that's going on in the world I feel like it's very relevant and it's also kind of cool that it's coming out the same week that Solange Knowles dropped that was our next question yeah so it was like really cool I'm like hey Solange shut up but also she's too cool to be like I feel like she would be into it you guys gotta do some cross promo yeah well I don't think she needs my help (laughs) (laughs) I think she's like I'm good you need my help and I'm like yes I do we all need her help yeah, yeah but it's just it's been really cool to have this book and I think, you know, just a lot of essay books are being written by women like Roxane Gay and Mindy Kaling and Melissa T. So it's just like really cool to be in the same class of very talented, amazing women right now. How did you land on these specific topics versus like, you know, I, I would read an entire book about Fitz ain't shit. Yeah, <laughs> he's. I stand by. He sucks. He used he's to be been great. The worst from the, yeah, yeah, but now he sucks. Um, so I, yeah, I think when I pitched the, when I wrote my book proposal, because basically you have to like, especially if you're like unknown, you have to write a book proposal. I think if you're known, you could just do like a two page doc about like, this is what the book is going to be. But I think a lot of people are doing that, and then like the books didn't live up to the. So you really need to do a, a proposal. So I pitched like something like. 40 essays just like overshot it for how many would actually make it to the book I think there's 11 or 12 um, and then my editor Kate and I just sat down and we went through and we just narrowed everything down it was like some of these could be combined some of these just cut like it's not enough there's not enough meat to it to be an actual essay um, so yeah that's how we just like narrowed it down and it just I think it was a good mix of like race stuff gender stuff and pop culture stuff like I love the essay about um, like guilty pleasures like that's just as fun mm-hmm. as writing yeah. about like black hair or you know stuff like that so it's really nice to kind of mix all that stuff together totally yeah. that one of the essays that really stuck out to me was the casting calls one mm. and I know you obviously wrote jokey ones but yeah. I'm really interested if you could talk about like a real one that you actually that was just like egregious and awful yeah I think just a lot because I'm 32 now so I think now a lot of them are like play 25 there's like (laughs) there's there's really it's like you're either young or you're like a mom in her 40s there's like no (laughs) in between Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of that where it's like can you play younger but your love interest is going to be like 50 (laughs) and not like 
a hot 50 it's not like George Clooney or like Denzel Washington <laughs> it's like a fucking schlubby gross dude <laughs> and there's a lot of those where I'm just like I'm not I just tell my agents I'm like I can't I've actually written I'm like this is not feminist I'm not going out for it yeah. and they're just like okay like they get that I'm very much I don't want to do sucky things because it's it's hard if you're a working actress it's really hard to just to make a stand like that that's where you're making your money so you kind of have to go out for like things that are beneath you but because right. I do so many other things I have the luxury of being like I think I'm just going to hold out for something that's not offensive to the fact that I'm a woman yeah. and so that's been really nice um, but yeah the casting calls are, they're just you know it's a lot of like hey be a sassy best friend or, and just stuff like that where you're like there's more to like I would like to be a love interest in something but you know the industry right now doesn't see me that way so right. I probably will have to write it for myself but just Please stuff do. like that yeah that would be <laughs> fun like I would love to write a romantic comedy I just think that a lot of times it's so limiting where it's like okay if you're gay you're gonna be like this particular kind of gay person right. it's like well gay people are they're they're multifaceted you know what I mean right. so I think just the Hollywood has a long way to go in terms of like really <laughs> reflecting people instead of just flattening them. I like follow a Twitter account that's devoted to weird casting calls and oh, I think cool. the weirdest most sexist one I've ever seen was a casting call where a woman had been called to wear a green suit from her head to her toes except for her boobs. <laughs> what? <laughs> so it was literally just like she was going to be a literal pair of floating breasts. <laughs> and like in the casting call, it was like, no, don't worry. It's like ironic. <laughs> but it's like, wow. I don't think that's, you know what you're yeah, talking about. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you, but you're in I Love Dick. You're in the I Love Dick pilot. Yeah. That was like a total oh. surprise to me. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. That's uh, Jill Soloway's new show for Amazon. It just got picked up. Oh, so, it did? Yeah, Yay. we're going to series. I think we're doing 10, 12 episodes. Don't quote me on that. But that's been <laughs> really great. She's so, she's just so wonderful and smart. And I mean, the source material is based off of Chris Krause's yeah, book, which is great. Book. Um, and um, I think they're going to play with it a little bit so it's going to deviate from the book in some way so I think they'll be surprising to people who have read the book so I they'll mean, be like oh cool totally one of the things that's like about that book that's kind of interesting in terms of it getting adapted is that the book is so like experimental mm -hmm. it's, it's great because it's kind of all over the place yeah. and so it's interesting seeing it translated to TV yeah and I think Jill is so smart and will be able to capture that kind of like it, her work is very experimental and it is very just different than anything else like Transparent is Amazing. like no other show yeah. on TV so I think that she can lend her hand to that as well and to be on a show with Katherine Hahn is like a dream come true because I'm obsessed with Same. her. She's so great and she's so wonderful. We're both from Ohio, so it's oh, really that's amazing. Yeah, we're like Midwest gals, and then <laughs> um, Griffin Dunn, and then Kevin Bacon, which is like it's like ridiculous that I like know him and he knows who I <laughs> like. He listens to Two Dope Queens, which is very he does? yeah, that's which great. is like really cool that he does that mm -hmm. and. So it just it's just a great cast and I love that it's like it's very multi culty on the, the cast and I don't know, it just feels like Jill is definitely a pioneer in a lot of ways. Mm. Um whether it's like casting a show and just like visually doing a show and just you know, as a woman, as a female director, she's really just so smart and really just wants to 
change things. And like she said, the em- Emmys topple the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's really, really great to work with her. Yeah. I, yeah. There's a great quote where she's like, I think it was Gabby Hoffman says she directs from the pussy. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, that, that like stays in my mind like yeah. every single day. Yeah. She's very, <laughs> the way that she, because I think a lot of sets, it's like, every, I think everyone makes acting like this very scary thing where it's like, you know, you have to get the 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 sun is going down and like you gotta mm-hmm. there's craft service and like it just is crazy and so she really just wants it to be like a calm space so the actors can do their job yeah so it's really nice that she she never goes she, she never yells action like she doesn't oh. do that she'll just be like whenever you're ready or like take your time and that's like your cue to just kind of like get into yeah. it however you want to so it's really really it's like nice. exploratory mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. so it's great so on the total opposite end of the spectrum, your chapter about where you get on that reality TV show for comics mm, and they're like, mm-hmm. act less smart mm-hmm. or whatever. That was ridiculous to me. Yeah, I think that was like, that was a really sucky experience just because, you know, I think a lot of comics that season, we were all, I don't want to say duped, but I think we were all told that like, oh, this is going to be not like every other reality TV show. And it kind of ended up being that way. Yeah, totally. Like it felt like the judges were just saying mean things to people just because. To get a reaction. Yeah. And it was just, it was really kind of a bummer. Um, But I think it was good to have a crappy experience like that because, I don't know, I feel like... uh, careers in general are just very up and down and I feel like you learn a lot from the downs and with that I, I feel like I learned to not kind of be like this is my big break there are no yeah. big breaks mm-hmm. you know what I mean like I mean I guess there are but it's not I don't know it's not like you know the 70s when you did Carson and like literally like they would give you a TV show it's not <laughs> like that anymore mm-hmm. And so I think I was putting so much pressure on myself. And then when I had that crappy experience on that show and it was like, but it didn't really change my career in either way, like a Mm -hmm. good way or a bad way. So it made me just go, oh, yeah, I don't need to like take every opportunity with so much importance to the point where it it takes on a life of its own and overshadows why I do comedy in the first place. Um, But, yeah, that experience was sucky because it just... um, and it just like really question it really it really felt like to say a woman is not as likable if she comes off as smart just really felt I was like is this the 1950s <laughs> it just felt so dated and like you know they were saying things to other people too like they were just making fun of like people who were like slightly overweight like it just felt yeah. really like you guys are just it was like the worst common denominator sort of thing and totally yeah, that just really bummed me out because one of the judges was female. She was saying that, too, and I just I didn't understand that. A lot of this book, obviously, is about your, like, black hair and black women's hair. Is mm-hmm. it frustrating or annoying to you that, like, in 2016, you still to be like, okay, now I'll explain about black women's hair to you? Yeah, <laughs> it is frustrating because I know there was just that federal ruling that if you have dreadlocks, it's, like, not illegal yeah. for someone to discriminate to- against you and not hire you, which is... It's so frustrating because it's like it's it's cool when Marc Jacobs has it in a, a fashion show. That's, like, quote-unquote awesome, but, like, when a a regular everyday black woman who wants to have a job mm-hmm. or a black guy who wants to like have a job they have dreadlocks it's like no you're not professional so I think that that is what is 
so troublesome and why, you know, people like me and others talk so much about black hair because there's so much discrimination. There's a lot of discrimination that happens. Totally. And I think people like to be like, oh, no, it's like whatever. It's totally fine. But it's like, no, there's definitely it's racially motivated. And so I think talking about black hair maybe hopefully demystifying it a little bit more. Um, I think hopefully will help change things, but it is frustrating that it, we still have to talk about it. And it's in the in the grand scheme of things, it just seems so silly. Yeah, that people are so concerned with how someone else style their styles their hair, <laughs> right. and like that is a value judgment as to how they are as a person. It's just based on do you have braids or is your hair straight? And right. it's just like. I feel like it's also crazy. it's like every two or three months or something, mm-hmm. there's like that local news story that's like, girl sent home over her yeah. dreadlocks, girl sent home over her afro, you know? And it's just like, this shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Like, we should know better. And then there's also the story that's like, how to style dreadlocks, like, for, for white yeah. women. Yeah. <laughs> like, also every two Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. okay, right. <laughs> You're like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> when will this end? Um, I did want to ask you about the letter to the first female president, which I really loved. Oh, thank you. Um, and you want the female president to start saying the word vagina more. So yeah. please, please elaborate on that. <laughs> I just think uh, because... Even though Roe v. Wade, everyone kind of thought like, oh, this is done. we're good. It's like, we're not done. Like, it's all, like, people are still so upset about reproductive rights and so angry that women want to have control over their bodies. And, um, yeah, I think a lot of politicians and even non-politicians, people in general just think that vaginas are gross and, like, don't want to hear about them. Um, and I think that if they weren't treated like this weird kind of crazy thing that's only to be used for right. male pleasure, right? Um, I think that would go a long way in normalizing things. I think uh, things like having a luxury tax on like tampons is ridiculous, mm-hmm. and it's like. Bleeding is not a luxury. I also think it's like... <laughs> it's the, not. The, Taya will sell you on a diva cup right now. Yeah. <laughs> Lord knows. I lost my diva cup in oh the Oh, my move. God. It's ridiculous. That's, I have to now buy I'm really, another diva I really want to know who finds it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'll be, <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I really do think that having a female president is... I mean, it's not going to erase misogyny, obviously, but I think it does go a long way in inspiring and like making young women feel inspired. And I think that's that's important. It's also kind of crazy that we're one of the last countries to not ever have a woman (laughs) be president. It's like, what are we doing? Well, yeah. What's the holdup? Is um, it crazy though? Like it's pretty particular. Like it seems normal to me living in America. You're like, yeah, well, of course. But it's also like in comparison to the rest of the world, it seems a little like we should all be right. embarrassed. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> I said this earlier today when I, I quoted Ariana Grande. I was I want to go buy a new iPhone. <laughs> Philosopher Ariana. Yes, oh wow. Because and the, there was a line to reserve an iPhone, and I was like. Ariana Grande once said, I fucking hate America. (laughs) It's also kind of, there's a line. Oh my God. It was to reserve. I was like, wait, this is annoying. Like, it was obviously yeah. like the biggest like first world problem ever, but I was just like, yeah. I was feeling Ariana in that moment. Yeah. This is another example. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, all right. Well, let's move on to Great. pop culture topics yes. of the week. Okay. Cool. Okay. Hot takes. Hot takes. Let's get a hot take. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. okay great. So, so we wanted to talk about, um, there's two stories going on right now. One is with Kim Kardashian mm-hmm. being robbed at gunpoint. That's and sad. everybody, yeah, it, like, it sucks no matter what. Uh, so she, they took more than $10 million worth mm-hmm. of her jewelry and she's terrified and she came back to New York and all that. And like everyone is being a huge dick about it. Mm-hmm. They're like either saying it was a hoax or even even Reuters was like, uh, you know, the pre-dawn robbery on Monday highlighted the pitfalls of notoriety built on heavy use of Twitter, Instagram, and other social media that has made Kardashian one of the most visible celebrities in the world, security experts say. Yeah. <laughs> like, so no, it's they like did her it. fault for, yeah, you know. Yeah, ba- people are basically implying that, like, because she's so public mm-hmm. with her life that it was, she, like, deserved to be robbed. Yeah. Which yeah. is ridiculous. So stupid. I think it was definitely an inside job. Oh yeah, <laughs> I do. I really do think there's somebody on her security team because they just seem. It was just like they came when like no one was really around her. You know what I mean? Just felt yeah. like very like someone had to know when she was going to be alone yeah. in order to like come through and like get in so easily. Um, yeah, I just think it's weird that people have this notion that if you're rich, everything's fine and shut up and like <laughs> right. things shouldn't bother you. You know what I mean? It's just like. I could imagine her in that moment, five men she never met who were pretending to be police officers and had guns barging in, tie her up, and her being like, oh, I'm about to be either killed or sexually assaulted right now. Like that, of course. Mm -hmm. Of course. Like, And like wishing for Kim Kardashian to get robbed isn't social welfare. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's not the same as like, oh, like let's like retool our tax code a little bit so that people aren't so crazy wealthy. Like that's not, we're not talking in equivalence here. Like this is like a a ridiculous. It's not like a Robin Hood sitch. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Exactly. This is just going into someone's bank account. Yeah. So that was really, I don't know. I think people, I think in general people don't. They get annoyed whenever women, especially women in the public eye, uh, speak out about something or have something bad happen to them because they just be like, oh, well, you're famous, so you should be fine. Mm -hmm. But I I think there's a little bit of compassion that is missing, and you can be annoyed that she's famous. Great, but that doesn't mean she should be hurt because she's famous. Totally. So, and I, yeah, people making jokes about it, I'm like, oh, there are so many other things you could joke about right now. Right. I get the impulse, like the sort of snap impulse because yeah. it's like, it's very kind of ridiculous on its face, mm-hmm. but if you actually think about the fact that she's a person, even like my own, people I know were texting me this morning like, joking about it and I was like you guys need to listen to my podcast because <laughs> yeah. we're going to take you down so the, the, what's interesting like in contrast to this is the whole Elena Ferrante thing mm-hmm. where they're like exposing her this we have a section called oppressive dick of the week and he's our oppressive dick of the week Claudio Gatti he's mm-hmm. an investigative reporter he claims he discovered her true identity and people are upset because she's been saying I mean she's the writer of these Neapolitan novels which mm-hmm. are extremely popular and I'm not that hip, so I'm only on book one. Like, yeah. I'm also really behind. <laughs> um, so she's been saying for a really long time, like, why she wants to be anonymous. She said um, she wants to liberate herself from the anxiety of notoriety. She um, To relinquish it would be very painful, she told Vanity Fair. So mm. she has always been really, really, it's been very important to her yeah. to be anonymous. So I just think it's fascinating that, like, if a woman is too anonymous, people feel like she deserves to be exposed. Yeah. But if she's too exposed, she deserves to be harassed and robbed it's just like this mind-blowing like they happen on the same day and it's just Mm -hmm. really fascinating to me to look at these side by side and be like okay you literally can't fucking win (laughs) yeah it just feels like uh if she wants to be anonymous that's her choice and that's her call 
and why that bothers people, why there needs to be a re- uh, investigator, like, trying to dig up. It's like, just leave people alone. Like, I understand. I don't know. I just, there's a part of me where I'm like, I understand the curiosity and, mm-hmm. like, wanting to know who this person is. But respect that person's right to be, be a left, person. Yeah, to be left yeah. alone. And I, I respect that, that that's what she wants to do with her career. And it just felt crappy to just kind of expose them and not even... I don't know. It's one thing if you like want to do a piece together with her and then she's like, all right, I finally want to come clean. Mm -hmm. But it just it was she was doing this to retain her power, her sense of self. And this person went and took that away from her in a sense. And that's the bummer because it's like she should be allowed to have her own agency and say what she wants to do with herself. And as somebody who just wrote a book that's extremely personal, Mm -hmm. it's I'm interested in like how, how much of yourself do you feel like you have to give away as like a public person or as a public writer figure. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty open person, but I don't know, it's like one of those things, I guess if like I ended up in another relationship again, I don't know if I would be super public about it. I I think you can I think everyone has to define for them what is their, what are their boundaries and I feel like the Kardashians are a very extreme example of like we live everything on the open and I enjoy their show and I'm like I get that they like doing that that's like how they make their living and there are other people who want to be anonymous I think I'm probably somewhere in the middle where I don't mind talking <laughs> about myself but there's also things that I just I don't know just like it's not everyone's business and that's okay and I I think you just set those boundaries for yourself and then if anyone has a problem it's just like I don't care. Like, I have to protect myself. Yeah. Everyone has to protect themselves, you know? This this writer who, her name's Lily Loofborough. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Lily, if I'm fucking that up. <laughs> She's a culture critic at The Week, and she had this great tweet stream about this whole thing that we're talking about, yeah. which was like, today a great artist for whom anonymity was crucial was named. We're really good at reducing female artists to their names and associating their artistic efforts with the language of branding. It's almost a reflex to call women attention whores when they do something in the public sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's talking about how like male confessions are coded as artistic and philosophical and experimental and women's are coded as brave, conventional and unworked. Like it's like yeah. if you write a book as a woman, you know, it's like this confessional, like super like raw thing. And yeah. then if a guy does it, it's like really deep. Well, you know I what I mean? Yeah. Think it's like, <laughs> For sure. Totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I also think in fiction, there's that tendency too to be like everything that a woman writes, even when it's fictional, is autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, but the character is a stand in for herself. Which is like right. part of the reason they exposed her. Yeah, right. Because exactly. they were like, well, this isn't really a your life, even though she never said it was. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like there's that sense that. You, if to preserve a sense of artistry at all, like a sense of creating something that doesn't have to exist with you, mm-hmm. that's been just like ripped out of her hands. Mm-hmm. It's fucked up. Yeah, I What's also, the solution I've been here. Seeing a lot of like, <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of like journalists today writing about how it wasn't fucked up, and I just have to say, like, every time I'm like, can we not? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there always has to be like the backlash to the backlash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, can we just like please leave this woman alone? Like, honestly, even every time somebody just reprints her name in a story about how like either it's wrong or it's not wrong, it's just like yeah, just you know, let her like be. let she her go. She doesn't want to be talked about. That's the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> she just wanted her work to be discussed, and so she can go on and live her life. Just keep reading the books yeah. on the subway. I mm-hmm. see you all every day. Yeah. And just shut up about it. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, there's a movie. I didn't like an Italian movie of one of her one of those books they're really really popular i didn't know that's that. cool the like most, blowing my mind they're like everywhere there was a point over the summer where i think every time i got on the c or got on the m there was somebody reading one 
So I feel like the solution here, we, we like to do like semi-deranged solutions for the lady problems. <laughs> Great. I feel like we need to send Elena Ferrante to rob this Italian journalist. <laughs> 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 like lightly. Yeah, anonymously. She, she should him. just like yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like th- that's like karmic, right? Fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's full circle. <laughs> or like hack into his Netflix Netflix queue and just like screw it all up. Yeah, that'd be nice. That's actually a lot nicer. <laughs> yeah. Phoebe, who's messing up your Netflix queue? Okay, not my Netflix. My HBO Go. I share it with a couple of people, so I notice that like I'm like, who's watching all these shitty movies? <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's my friend, right, right, I gave him my thing. So that's a, that's really annoying. But Netflix has actually been okay. I used to share it with my ex, um, which wasn't bad. It was just, like, a lot of, like, food stuff. <laughs> and I was like, what? I don't want to I don't want to watch any more food things. So that was really annoying. And that's why you guys broke up. Yeah. That, I was like, <laughs> no oh, more chef's I'm, table. Yeah, I'm calling it off. <laughs> Enough with no reservations. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Phoebe. Thanks for having me, And y'all. good luck with the rest of your, of your book tour. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Please buy my book. You can't touch my hair. I want to be on the New York Times bestsellers list. I mean, this is two years in the making, so make Amazing. me, make yes, me buy happy. It. Make, make it happen. Yeah, make you please. a super novelist. <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thanks, guys. For gals. I just say gals. So that's it for this week's episode of Lady Problems. Thanks so much for listening. And just as a reminder, Phoebe Robinson's book, Can't Touch My Hair and Other Things I Still Have to Explain, is in bookstores now. You must read it. It's extremely important that you read it. And don't forget that you also can call in with your own lady problems. So uh, what constitutes a lady problem is completely up to you. We're here to answer any questions about your life, about something in pop culture, just something that bothers you on the street one day. So call us at 205-677-5239. That's 205-677-LADY. And if you like this episode, please be sure to give us a rating or leave us a review on iTunes because it helps people find us and it helps us feel good about our lives and our choices. I'm Rachel Handler, and I'll see you next week. This episode of Lady Problems was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovich for the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at MTV Podcasts. You can subscribe to Lady Problems and all the other MTV podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you do that kind of thing.